Welcome to ACNL in Action, brought to you by the Association of California Nurse Leaders. I'm your host, Charlene Platon. A year ago, we did an episode on DEI, or diversity, equity, and inclusion, with our guests, Drs. Sharon Goldfarb and Anitra Williams. Battling racism in nursing and in general is an ongoing project, and we thought it would be good to revisit the topic. Our guest today is Dr. Anna Valdez, Chair of the Nursing Department at Sonoma State University. Dr. Valdez's research is particularly focused on DEI, bias, and health equity. In 2020, she helped organize Nursing Mutual Aid, a conference held over Twitter to discuss nursing experiences during the pandemic. She and her colleagues were presented with the Global Hero Award by Glamma, Health Professionals Advancing LGBTQ Equality, previously known as the Gay and Lesbian Medical Association, in recognition of their dedication to amplifying the voices of nurses and fighting for social justice, including racial, queer, environmental, and economic justice. Welcome, Anna. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Charlene. It's an honor to have you and to meet with you. And first, I just want to say that you have a very impressive background. And could you tell us what led you to focus your research on diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as bias and health equity? Sure. Um, I have been very interested in diversity, equity, inclusion, and particularly um, anti-racism since I was a teenager. I come from a multiracial family. Our family is white, black, and Latin. And I also come from a diverse family in terms of sexuality and gender as well. And being a phenotypically white-skinned nurse, I have had the, the experience of seeing discrimination firsthand in people whom I love and also seeing it in practice because I know what it is that it looks like. And that's been a, a profound motivator for me. I have family members who don't trust the healthcare system and they won't make decisions or um, participate in healthcare without me telling them that it's safe. And that is something I definitely want to see changed. I would love for um, my mother, who is unambiguously Black, to be able to go to the hospital and seek care without her being concerned or worried or without me being concerned and worried. And I also just saw the way that bias and discrimination and equity showed up in my practice as an emergency nurse. Um, and so first and foremost, as a nurse, I have a responsibility to do no harm. I have a responsibility to do what is right and just. Um, and so that's really motivated me to learn and understand racism and bias and other forms of discrimination, and also to try and teach colleagues about it so that we can achieve a point where there is really health equity for my mom, my family, and for everybody else's loved ones. Thank you so much, Anna, for that introduction to your background. It's incredibly inspiring, the work that you do, and hearing about your background as well. And I do want to say congratulations on the Global Hero Award from Glamma. That's amazing to have that recognition. And I just wanted to hear from you, what, what does it mean to you to receive this recognition? Well, I was so humbled and honored um, that Nursing Mutual Aid received that award. I certainly don't think that I've earned the recognition as a global hero. 
Um, and I have to credit the, the wonderful team that I worked with, with Nursing Mutual Aid for this work. And in particular, Dr. Ray Walker, who envisioned having um, open access learning that supported um, the things that we really care about in terms of social and um, environmental health justice. And it was for me, I think the biggest gift of this was being able to work with a group of 10 other um, nurse midwife scholars who um, all felt strongly about equity and about justice and to be able to co-create a learning opportunity with presenters and um, learners and to have it still be freely accessible to people to be able to see. Um, it was just a really extraordinary circumstance and situation that I found myself in. And as a result, um, I, you know, I have this wonderful recognition by Glamma, but I have 10 really great friends who are accountability partners for me. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest gift I got out of this experience of being a part of nursing mutual aid. That's fantastic. I think that the recognition is well-deserved and I think that these experiences are game-changing and we truly appreciate the work that's being done on such an important topic. And there's a lot to dive into here too that I wanna to touch upon. And first in talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And often we see these words used interchangeably. And for listeners who might not be familiar, could you start with explaining what the difference is between these terms, diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yes, there are a, a wide variety of definitions for each of these terms out there. Many organizations develop their own definitions. But for me, diversity is about all those things that make us unique and human, right? Everybody is diverse in their own ways. But when I talk about diversity as it pertains to nursing and bias and racism and other forms of discrimination, what I'm really talking about is the representation of people who have been historically and systematically excluded or marginalized. Um, and it I'm talking about changing the demographics of nursing so that they really mirror the communities that we serve um, at a minimum and that we have diverse perspectives that are informing our practice. And, and that could be a whole range of different types of diversity, um, but it should be representative of our society as a whole. Um, equity, I think a lot of people think about equality, right? Treating everybody the same. I hear that a lot in nursing, right? That, you know, we provide equal care. Um, equity extends beyond equality, right? Everybody should have the same access and the same kind of rights. But equity to me is more about outcomes. It's about achieving optimal success and having opportunities that are fair and just um, where you are included, right? Not just um, there as a, like a tokenism representation, but really being included and having the best possible outcomes, which sometimes means that we don't treat everybody exactly the same because some people have different needs than other people to be able, for instance, to achieve optimal wellness. Um, and then inclusion, I think a lot of times in nursing, we think we put up the sign that says we welcome diversity, right? Um, and then, you know, maybe some students show up and many don't. And I think we've got caught in that of like, well, we invited people, but they didn't come, right? And so it's not just about saying we welcome diversity, but it's actually 
ensuring that people have equitable experiences when they enter nursing or nursing school or, um, or people who are being cared for, that they're being treated equitably. But inclusion is really being involved in the decision-making. It's about sharing power, right? It's about valuing and respecting other perspectives. So in nursing, you know, that means that all voices are heard and valued and have um, the power to contribute. Um, in practice, you know, that means that we're listening to our patients and we're being um, person-centered and understanding what it is that guides their desires and their needs to receive um, optimal healthcare. That's great. And I do love how you frame those different terms, diversity, equity, and inclusion, especially as it relates to nursing and to healthcare. And I think taking that uh, information a step further in terms of the focus for DEI, there has been a lot of focus in general on racial equity recently, but I also want to know about other factors such as gender, sexuality, and income level, things that maybe may not be as uh, noticeable on the surface, maybe things that are a little bit more subtle. How are those factors related and integrated with DEI? Um, well, you know, bias exists in nursing in many ways, and it, it exists in um, humanity and in society in many ways. And nurses are um, a reflection in many ways of our society. Um, but still, nursing is very homogenous. It is overwhelmingly cisgender white identifying women. Um, right now, according to the 2020 National Nursing Workforce, 80% of nurses are racialized as white and 90% are women, right? And so um, the problem with that type of uh, homogeneity is that there's not diverse perspectives, right? Diverse understanding, diverse experiences. I think in nursing, we often look at experts as people who have high degrees or who have published a lot, um, and we neglect looking at things like lived experience for expertise. Um, we see a lot of bias and, and um, adverse experiences among a variety of groups. Uh, we know that we don't have great data. We have great racial data, right? We know what the racial makeup is or the racialized makeup is of nursing, but we don't have good data on um, how many nurses have disabilities, um, transgender or gender expansive people, sexuality, and even income. But we know that all of those things affect um, outcomes and the care that we provide and the experiences that we have as nurses. Um, so I think that um, racism tends to be a big focus for me because of my family experience, but all of these other areas of bias are incredibly important and things that I saw in emergency practice all of the time, right? Particularly, I think transgender, gender expansive people experience a lot of um, inequity and challenges in um, receiving healthcare, but it's not even just the diversity in terms of people's demographics. We also see a lot of basis um, or biases on other factors like people who are experiencing homelessness or people with substance use disorder or um, with mental health care needs. Um, so I think all of those things, any type of bias or um, discrimination that results or from people not being part of the dominant group and, to, and being marginalized um, are important and are things that we need to address if we're ever going to have health equity. Absolutely. And I do think that a lot of the reasons why we have struggled as, a, as an institution, as an industry in 
implementing more DEI practices is because of the lack of data, as you mentioned, the lack of transparency or education. And I do wonder, how do we assist people, including nurses and healthcare leaders, in understanding the need for DEI practices and also have initiatives when they themselves may have implicit biases and they might not be aware of it? I think that's a great question. So we all have implicit biases. um, And I think that that's one thing we all have to get over is that we do have implicit biases. And and we also come with explicit biases and both of them are equally harmful. Um, I spend a lot of time teaching people about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And oftentimes I hear, um, well, you know, especially from nurses, I've been a nurse for X amount of years and I've never seen discrimination. I've never seen racism or um, maybe I've seen bias, but it doesn't elevate to those levels. And I think that often they don't see bias or we don't see bias. We don't see other forms of discrimination because we are not experiencing it right? And um, we may not even know what it looks like when it is happening in front of us. So I think, you know, it's important for us to illuminate what that looks like. um, And also to help people to understand that, you know, it doesn't make you a bad person because you have biases. There's a lot of things that form our biases. Um, You know, media, our experiences, our geographic area, all of those things can contribute to biases. Um, So I think it's, about having open and kind of safe, brave conversations about we have biases, let's figure out what those are and how um, they show up for us. And and importantly, how people either benefit or are harmed by our biases. Those are great points to make. And I do absolutely agree. I, I do think it's a hard conversation to have when organizations are faced with that hard truth that everyone has implicit biases and even explicit biases that they might not be aware of. And so I believe that that conversation is something that's been very much overdue in the healthcare profession. And I'm I'm wondering if you've seen any healthcare organizations or any health systems that have done that well, maybe in having those conversations or who have been able to have have those difficult conversations, but have been able to move forward. You know, I can't think of any examples, and that's probably um, unfortunate, but I can't think of any examples of um, traditional professional nursing organizations that have done this very well. There are certainly a lot of uh, grassroots organizations, equity and social justice focused um, community organizations that are doing this very well. Um, for example, Sister Song does a lot of work around um, Black maternal health and, and um, infant mortality. Um, but in terms of, you know, our traditional structures, schools of nursing, hospitals, um, professional nursing organizations, I think a lot of those groups are really slowly moving into doing this work, right? So we don't have a lot of actionable I- items to be able to say they're, you know, they've really moved past having the discussions. I think many organizations are at the point of having discussions now. Um, about how to integrate DEI and how to address biased care, how to address racism and other forms of discrimination. So I I think we still have a lot of work to do, um, but I am hopeful that there will in the, you know, in the next few years that there'll be many organizations that we can point to of saying they're doing a great job. Absolutely. And I also want to talk about nursing education because probably most likely one of the root causes 
for not seeing this in practice so much until just more recently, maybe because of how we've been taught in nursing school or how, uh, or the nursing education that we've received um, historically. Um, and so we don't necessarily discuss the topics of diversity, equity, and inclusion in our, in our core curriculum in nursing school. And so I know that on top of your impressive background, you're also a subject matter expert for the National Commission to Address Racism, and you helped to write the history of nursing education. And can you tell us more about that experience and what led you to become part of the National Commission to Address Racism? Absolutely. So I was nominated by two professional organizations, the Emergency Nurses Association and the Association um, for uh, associate degree nursing. Um, I was their DEI chair for both organizations at the time. Um, I am still the DEI chair for ANA, and I was nominated by both organizations to participate. Um, I am truly humbled to be able to participate with the group of nurses that I work with on the commission. There's a lot of really dedicated people who are very much interested in addressing racism, um, a lot of diversity among the people who are there. Um, and it was really a, a fabulous experience to be able to contribute to the section on um, racism and nursing education with um, really extraordinary colleagues. Um, I think that the commission is doing important work. We've, we've got a foundation now, a foundational paper, some um, data and evidence to be able to share, um, providing some resources on anti-racism. There'll be things coming out for allyship. And I think all of that is setting a foundation for the really hard work that is ahead of us, really taking action and um, reflecting individually and as organizations. Um, but for me, it's been just such a gift to be able to work with some people who I have learned a lot from over the years. Um, and I, I feel grateful to be part of the experience. That's great. And I'm so glad to hear about the work that's underway. This is very impactful work. And when it comes to nursing education in particular, some, including myself, may not have realized the history of racism in nursing in the first place. And I know that I didn't learn about this in nursing school throughout my undergraduate or graduate degrees, but I, I did want to hear about this from you. And what should we as nurses and healthcare leaders know about the history of racism in nursing? And why is this such important information? Um, I think that we as nurses, you know, we've been rated for almost 20 years or maybe 20 years at this point as the most trusted profession, right? And I think we really lean into that, but I think we have a responsibility to understand our history and also how we contribute to racism now. Um, you know, many people look at Florence Nightingale and, you know, and identify her as the origin story for nursing, when in fact nursing existed well before Florence Nightingale, and certainly she had other contemporaries at the time who were providing exceptional nursing. Um, Florence just happened to be a white cisgender woman who was wealthy and well-educated. And so she was given a platform um, where she had contemporaries like Mary Seacole, who she excluded from being able to help in the Crimean War um, and who did at least equally important work. Um, and so I think a lot of people look at for example, Florence Nightingale, and they, you know, they see her as this origin of great values. I look at that history and see her legacy being one of exclusion. Um, you know, I think that 
nursing needs to understand our history so that we can tap back into um, learnings from earlier and successful things like indigenous knowledge. Um, You know, we had black nurse midwives who were incredible and had better outcomes than hospital care um, that we've moved away from. And I think that understanding the way in which we've been complicit with racism, um, there's tons of documentation, for example, not to beat up on Florence Nightingale, but her her um, ties to racism and eugenics and things like that. And so I think that we really have to understand where we've come from and then how that continues in our practice in ways that we don't even see. For example, um, I see um, professionalism as it is being imposed in nursing as an arm of white supremacy, because it really is reinforcing um, kind of, you know, these ideals about what is normative and what is okay in nursing. Um, And even in nursing education today, now, if you open up a textbook, when you get to the cultural competency part of it, um, we are still perpetuating stereotypes and harms related to racism. You know, almost every uh, textbook I've had, there's been these little boxes for these widely huge um, racialized populations, like Asian people, knowing that, you know, we're talking about people from the Philippines, from Korea, from Japan, wildly different languages and cultures, right? But we put people into these little boxes, and then we throw some stereotypes in there, right? Like I learned when I was in nursing school that um, Black women had higher um, mortality in childbirth and had um, more infant mortality because they didn't seek care and they lived in poor neighborhoods and um, a lot of kind of blaming and shaming when in reality, the most significant contributor to those outcomes is racism, um, which I never learned. Right. So my my hope is that we are now integrating understanding DEI racism bias throughout nursing school. And my hope is that we'll start to see that over the next few years where, um, you know, accrediting bodies expect that where teachers are having to learn and be able to provide education that's not going to perpetuate stereotypes and harm to the people who are there to to support and care for. Right. And you you talked about a lot of very important topics there just now. And I do want to mention that that this discussion does remind me of what we talked about earlier in terms of having to have those hard conversations. And I, I think that does go for the nursing programs and the curriculum and the tech, textbooks that we choose, what we choose to educate our nurses with and the material that they learn. And I do remember myself um, having those same textbooks with the overgeneralized information about cultural sensitivities and topics that really had a lot of um, racist comments and statements. And so I do think that these conversations are are happening now. It looks like there's more attention that's happening, but we do have a long way to go. And in terms of how this can impact us, you know, I wanted to hear from you, how does racism in nursing not hurt not only the nurses directly, but patients as well? And I think you talked about this from your own personal experiences, but just wanted to see what additional thoughts you might have on that. Yeah, I think that's such an important question. Um, we know that nursing and our communities in the nation is harmed by ongoing racism within healthcare. Um, 
the National Commission to Address Racism and Nursing has a definition that I really like for racism, and that is assaults on the human spirit in the forms in the form of actions, biases, prejudices, and an ideology of superiority based on race that persistently cause moral suffering and physical harm of individuals and perpetuate systemic injustices and inequities. And I particularly like this definition, which um, commissioners work together to develop because it speaks to the harm, both physical and spiritual and um, mentally, emotionally, the types of, of suffering that are caused by racism. Um, you know, I think in nursing itself, racism has contributed significantly to underrepresentation and to a really homogenous view of what it is to be a nurse, right? Um, and what it is to provide care in the community or for the nation. Um, and because we don't have diverse perspectives, I think that continue that helps us continue to be complicit and not recognize the ways in which we might be harming each other, might be harming our communities or the patients we're accompanying in care. Um, we know for certain that it harms the people who are seeking care, right? There are decades of evidence showing health disparities, health inequities, and many of which um, originate with bias and with racism. So we've known for a long time that harm is happening. Um, but I think, and I, I, I know we'll probably talk more about this, I think that denial of racism and denial of that harm has really impeded our progress. I think the sooner that we can recognize that as a profession, we are causing harm. We're causing harm to people who want to become nurses, who may never become nurses, to nurses and colleagues that we work with, and to the people that we serve. Absolutely. There's a lot to be said in terms of the impact that can happen when we don't address these important topics and, and when we don't address racism in nursing. And I know that in terms of acknowledgement of, of historical acts of racism and even current, more current acts of racism, I do know that the American Nurses Association or the ANA recently shared their racial reckoning statement. And I wanted to hear from you what your thoughts are on the ANA's acknowledgement of its historical and institutional racist actions. And where do we go from here? Sure. You know, I think that the first step is to acknowledge that you are complicit and that you have participated in racism. And so I commend ANA for making that statement. Um, I, as a phenotypically white woman who has not been excluded from nursing, can't accept an apology from them. So I can't accept on behalf of other people or speak to how that affected people who have experienced racism. But I think acknowledging is a good first step, right? And then from there, when we acknowledge that we've caused harm, that we have um, done things that are um, exclusionary for the profession, that the, the next step is not really just to like, I'm sorry, please forgive me, it's to move on, right? So what am I going to do now? Because we recognize that we've engaged in harmful and exclusionary practices. So how are we going to change our processes, our policies? How are we going to train people? Um, and so I think that most people are looking at the ANA to see, okay, great. So what progress, what actions are you taking and what are the next steps um, in terms of really addressing that? And, and ANA being 
um, probably the largest professional nursing organization in the United States, has a tremendous amount of responsibility, I think, to really set the tone and to provide the education and to um, live their statements, right? To walk the walk and not just talk the talk. But I, I think it was a good first step to acknowledge the real harms that have happened in the past. Absolutely. And I do think that that acknowledgement at times could be the hardest part of of these um, of uh, making change at times, because if we can't see any needs to acknowledge what has happened in the past, that could be very difficult for moving forward. But I do um, appreciate your thoughts on that. And I do also appreciate the NA statement. And I did want to talk to in terms of Racism, I know that in 2021, a national survey by the National Commission to Address Racism in Nursing found that more than half of nurses that were surveyed, which was about 63%, said that they had personally experienced an act of racism in the, in the workplace, with the transgressors being either a peer, and that was about 66% of nurses that reported that, or a manager or supervisor, and that was about 60%. And what are your thoughts on these statistics and what should nursing and healthcare leaders do when they learn about data just like this? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing is I'm really glad that ANA, um, that the Commission to Address Racism in Nursing did this survey. Um, I think one of the challenges I have when I'm teaching DEI and anti-racism is that people deny that those are problems, right? Um, I think we get into this discussion of, oh, you're being divisive, right? These are, this is not real. And um, where it creates a situation where people who are trying to advance health equity and address DEI look like they're the problem instead of part of the solution, right? So I think that this kind of data is really important. I use it when I'm teaching all the time to show nurses and other healthcare professionals what people are really experiencing. And, you know, an interesting thing is 63% um, said they had personally experienced an act of racism and the, the demographics of the participant group was 37% white. So a significant amount of people who are racialized as non-white are experiencing racism as nurses in their practice on a daily basis. And I think for leaders, seeing that, you know, 60% said that the aggressor or the person who they um, were experiencing racism from were supervisors, managers, leaders, means that we as nurse leaders have a lot of responsibility here to address this. And I think it starts with looking in the mirror and doing our own reflection of um, how I contribute to racism and what I am doing to ensure that um, staff, the, the teams that I work with, the patients we serve, the communities we served are um, not experiencing racism and are having, you know, an opportunity for health equity. Um, it certainly speaks to that. I, I recently completed a study um, with the with Dr. Lisa Wolf and the members of the Emergency Nursing um, Research Advisory Council, which will be published soon. But one of the things that we found is that often nurses didn't report experiences of racism because either they got disciplined themselves or they um, or no action came of it. So I think that's the other part is that nurse leaders need to be prepared and develop policies around how to handle um, racist events, biased care, and those kind of things. Right. And as you were speaking to a little bit earlier in terms of 
needing to look at ourselves in the mirror. Uh, I did want to bring up how um, Charlize Hurst at Notre Dame wrote a, an article a few months ago about the not here syndrome in organizations where leaders acknowledge that racism, racism exists, just not here. And as nurse leaders, how do we work to change this? Because I could still see this being an issue in, in many different organizations. Yeah, I think that racism um, denial is probably the single largest barrier to us truly addressing racism in nursing. There's a, a big part of nursing who thinks that this is not an issue. And largely, I'm sure that's because they're not affected by it, right? Um, and they're comfortable where they are. But I also think part of it is the way in which nurses see ourselves right? We see ourselves as being good, as choosing to serve other people, as um, doing the right thing. And so I think it creates conflict for us to think about the fact that actually we provide biased care, that we perpetuate racism, that we create harm. And I also think that some of the lack of knowledge of what it means when somebody says white privilege or white supremacy um, creates barriers too, because people automatically put up a defense. I'm not a member of the KKK. I don't wear a white hood. I think when they think about racism, they really think about that interpersonal racism and they really think about it in very explicit ways. So of course that couldn't be me. I, I would not be that person, right? And so we have to get nursing to understand that there, there are four forms of racism. Right. And and interpersonal is only one of them that, you know, the first is internalized and then we have organizational and systemic racism. And so I think helping them to understand that even if you're a good person and you provide good care, it doesn't mean that you're not contributing to racism and bias in your environment. Um, so I think that nurses in general have to be open to the idea that and, and understand that we're causing harm. Um, and I think looking at the evidence helps with that. But I think also um, part of it is being comfortable, right? When we acknowledge that harm is happening, then we have to do something about it, right? If you and I were in a patient room and I was gonna make an error, you would stop me, right? Because you don't want the patient to be harmed and you recognize that. But every day, um, patients, communities, nurses, other healthcare pro providers are being harmed, right? And so I think we have to come to terms with the idea that we have a system and a profession that is causing harm and then take that next step that we have to address that and take action to make sure that that harm ends. Um, and, you know, so that means each of us really doing the work of understanding bias and understanding um, racism and how to develop an anti-racist ideology. And for nurse leaders, I think that's especially important because nurse leaders set the tone for organizations, right? And if they um, understand DEI and racism, they recognize it, they're doing the work actively to be anti-racist um, and to be fair and just, they can set that tone you know, set policies, work with the rest of their teams in order to make sure that we really are moving towards health equity and also equity amongst our colleagues. Absolutely. And I do want to know that since we are drawing to a close, I wanted to give you the opportunity to share any any final comments that you have for, for our listeners, just in terms of your passions towards um, DEI or things that we can do in healthcare to support these practices and, and this work? 
Yeah, I think the thing that I would most want to say is um, have an open mind, listen, hear, learn from diverse scholars, um, you know, don't get all of your information from one source, try to expand your circles so that you have different perspectives and you're able to see different experiences, um, and then lean into the discomfort. You know, when you're in a comfortable space where everything is going okay for you, um, you know, having these discussions and really reflecting on yourself and on organizational um, policies and processes, this is difficult work. It's sometimes hard. It's sometimes scary because people are afraid to say the wrong thing or that they don't know enough. And what I would really encourage to all of the nurses out there is to lean into that discomfort. That's really where the magic happens. That's where you learn. That's where you grow. Um, and then, you know, I think when people feel defensive when they hear things like white supremacy or white privilege um, and racism, um, they need to do the work to understand what that means. Right. If, uh, I, I'm not saying you're a white supremacist. I'm saying that the system is this way. Um, so just having an open mind and being willing to listen and hear and being willing to grow, um, driven by the idea that we have to stop harming people. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Anna, for sharing your insights. I absolutely love the recommendation to lean into the discomfort that goes for many different aspects of our learning and our professional practice, but very, very much applicable to our efforts to, uh, to improve education and awareness and implementation of practices for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I just want to say thank you so much. I learned an incredible amount today during our conversation, and I hope we could have you back for a future conversation. Thank you, Charlene. It's been a, a pleasure to be here and to get to meet you. And our guest today was Dr. Anna Valdez, Chair of the Nursing Department at Sonoma State University. We'd love to hear your feedback. Email us at socialmedia at acnl.org and connect with us on LinkedIn and Facebook at ACNL Nurse. And as always, if you like the show, please remember to rate, review, and share. ACNL in Action is presented by the Association of California Nurse Leaders, with new episodes on the first Friday of every month. To learn more about the show or ACNL in general, visit us at acnl.org. Thank you so much for listening.